sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. There's something about God blesses the house. God fills the room, and then he touches the people. And divided tongues, verse 3, tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them, and they were all filled, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. There's this encounter. Holy Spirit has never left. He's with us. He speaks to us. He works through us. He's in us if you're a child of God. And He does a whole lot of stuff. He's God. He's the fullness of Jesus Christ with us. He allows us to. We speak in tongues. But speaking in tongues is not the sum of what the Holy Spirit does. That would be... uh, yeah. If that's all you're experiencing with the Holy Spirit, you've been denied something because of yourself. It's not because He's holding back. Holy Spirit is the fullness of Jesus Christ. What did Jesus do? He healed the sick, he, the lame walked, the deaf heard, the blind saw. The fullness of the Holy Spirit. I want to speak about what the Holy Spirit equips us to do as we work through the book of Ephesians where we look at our identity. The Holy Spirit is our comforter. So we'll pray this morning that He'll comfort us while I preach. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in the glorious name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I bring this meeting before you and the sermon before you, and I pray that the assignment that I've prepared, that you've had me prepare for this morning, I will deliver it with as much eloquence that I can muster, but with as much accuracy that only the Holy Spirit can give. I pray, Lord God, that this morning, as I speak your word, that lives will change. Purely because the word of God is being read to us, our lives will be transformed because you speaking through me. I'm trusting you, Holy Spirit. I want to be your spokesperson, your conduit this morning. So Holy Spirit, come and do what only you can do. I pray this in the wonderful name, Lord God of Jesus. Amen. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. This morning I'm going to touch on, no, I'm not going to touch, I'm going to speak on the circumcision. Um, so, no, don't clap. Don't, that's weird. And I have a video of circumcision on this. No, I don't. I would never do that. Because that would be awkward. And I want to remind you that in those days, they would do public circumcisions. And it would be awkward, and it would be difficult, and it would be uncomfortable, especially for the guy. But... It's something of, the Bible speaks of circumcision, and it was before the law that circumcision was introduced. Now, I'm not going to explain in graphic detail what circumcision is, but there's a part in a man's body that would then get trimmed off uh, according to God's plan. And you're going, only God would come up with this. And it was to represent something more. It was cutting away flesh that represented hiding sin and shame that God was going to deal with sin by dealing with sin and shame. But I want to read this to you in Genesis 17, in verse 9. God said to Abraham, way before the law, said, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring, after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. I'm not preaching. Circumcision 
is not law and is not expected of you. But what the Bible is teaching is something gets done in the physical, but whatever God did in the physical is to represent something that he's doing or busy doing or going to do in the spiritual realm. I want to make mention, if this is your first time at Dayspring, welcome to Dayspring Church. This is what we do. We open up the whole scripture of God and we study it and we teach on it and we say, what is God saying to us through this? And uh, you may be looking at your friend who brought you to church and you're thinking, why? Why did he have to discuss that today? <laughs> because it's important. It's this covenant that God makes with Abraham and says, you're going to cut that part off. If I make hand gestures, I'm sorry, but it's better than talking about some of this stuff. I'm going to take you under the knife and I'm going to cut off the skin. I'm going to take you under the knife. Why would God even come up with this concept? I want to take you even further back. Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve have sinned. They're about to be banished from the garden. They're about to be kicked out forever. There's a curse that's been pronounced and there's a blessing that's been pronounced. And they're about to be kicked out. They've covered themselves with fig leaves. So I believe that possibly they ate fig as the fruit because only the devil could convince you to eat figs. But I'll read this to you. In Genesis chapter 3, And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. So he's killed an animal and he's taken skin and he's put it over man. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now, lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. So there's the access to the tree of life that God is not going to stop. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out of, from, out of the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man, and at the east of the garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man. He drove out the man. He placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. He takes man, he covers him with skin, then he puts him outside and he has a sword over there making sure that he cannot come back to the tree of life. He has the tree of life, he has the sword, he has the skin covering. Do you see where I'm going? So God then shows Abram what you're going to do is you're going to cut off the skin with a sword and ultimately it's going to lead back to the tree of life. That's what the circumcision represents. You've got to go sword, skin, banished man. God says, I'm going to do something symbolic in you. And Abram's going, I have no, well, that's what I think he's going. He's going, I have no idea why you're making me do this. I'm 99 years old. I've lived comfortably with this body. Why cut that part off? Let's trim my ears. God says, no, there's something so much bigger than this. I need to remove the skin under the knife, and I'm going to expose you to the tree of life. You with me? Circumcision cuts a different way. So this morning, the title for my sermon is The Gospel Has Cut Me. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. I'm going back to Ephesians. I'm going to get back to the circumcision now. Because there's something of a cutting off that has to take place in our lives so that we can live having true, free access to the one who is the tree of life, Jesus Christ. When Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, it's I am the way, the truth, 
and the life. It's the tree of life. It's him. It's him embodied. And now we're looking at the church in Ephesus where Paul has made a reference to the circumcised and the uncircumcised. The uncircumcised would have been the Gentiles. Gentile comes from the Hebrew word goya, which just means nations. So the Gentiles, everyone that was not a Jew. And Paul's addressing the church in Ephesus, saying there's something more. I want to read that again. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ. This is verse 12. Alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God. This, I want to look at five covenants that God made with man and how we have access to that. The first one is the Edenic covenant. Kicked out of the Garden of Eden. Well, that's a weird covenant. Well, the covenant that he makes is you are going to work the soil. It's going to be tough. It's going to be hard. You're going to be outside. But there's something of a promise of what's going to happen is where your offspring, Eve, and he doesn't use the word offspring. He says, Eve, by the way, your seed is going to crush the head of the serpent, and the serpent will bite his heel. You go, well, that's bad science. Women don't have seed. Well, that was God already prophesying that the virgin would give birth virgin would give birth to the one and the bite on the heel the 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 attack of the heel was the cross but jesus christ the fullness of jesus on the cross destroys the skull and destroys the power of the enemy on the cross it's prophesied it's part of this covenant that is made in the garden of eden the very next one is the noic covenant where god says well the promise i mean he floods the land and there's a whole story behind it but i'm going to he floods the land he says i'll never destroy the world with a flood again but the promise is on the clouds it's the rainbow the rainbow and i shared this at our ascension day service the the rainbow is the is true white light splitting to seven and it shines because it's reflecting on the clouds and there's a whole lot of science behind it not technical but it's science it's not mystical but it's the reality of this white light splitting it's the seven spirits of god being represented and i'm telling you it's time that the christian church takes the rainbow back and by not attacking anyone but just living in the promise we don't attack we live in the promise Okay, I, I don't, when I get home, when I get to my house, I don't run to people outside and hit them and headbutt them and go, get away from my house. I just go into my house. I have authority there. Okay, I don't have to fight for my house. I have my house. And part of the Noah covenant is knowing that Jesus Christ, he's the rainbow. So every time I see an organization put that rainbow up, I'm going, amen, come on. Come on, that's my rainbow. You just don't know it yet. Or you can fight and whine about it and post something stupid on Facebook. How's that working out for us? I need wisdom. Let's go to the book of faces. Anyway, next covenant. The Abrahamic covenant. This is the beautiful one. This starts getting a little bit more rich. It's... Well, maybe I should rather represent it this way. Um, I like using a representation. Let's use white light. I have white. I'm gonna, uh, we always do this, you know, because I want, don't want people to think weird stuff. That I'm, it's just an offering bag. Uh, we'll make that the Garden of Eden covenant. No, wait. That's, let's make the red one Garden of Eden because there was the animal that had to be killed. Let's do the white one uh, as the Noah covenant, because that represents the white light that turns into a rainbow. Let's make the Abrahamic covenant blue. Uh, blue's cool. Uh, we get to the Mosaic covenant. 
that God then makes with Moses. This is the funny thing with the Mosaic Act. We think it's the law. You know the law never saved. The law of Moses never saved anyone. Scripture speaks about it was a guardian keeping watch until we get set free. This is Galatians 3. I'll probably end up reading it, but it's keeping watch. The law never saved because Hebrews, so it's written to the Jews, the, the law says this is what the standard is. In the book of Hebrews, it says the only way that I can please God is by having faith. Because without faith, it is impossible to please him. It was never the law that saw the Jews or the Hebrews saved. It was faith in God. Amen. If you somehow think that the law saved, then Jesus was unnecessary. It's a promise. What I, I love about the Mosaic promise uh, is, well, let's put him in there, Mosaic promise. What I love about that is God says, I'm actually going to set my people aside. It includes us because when he looks, he's looking at the world universally. And I know this can become challenging theology, but I become part of Jesus when I'm saved. Can we accept that? So this represents Jesus. So every covenant made from the time of the garden even, Noah, Mo Abraham, Moses, to the covenant with David, the Davidic covenant, which says, my throne will be forever. Ray touched on it this morning where we get to rule and reign and live forever in Christ Jesus. So while I'm in Jesus, I have the fullness of all the covenants that have been made. Because that's what Paul's writing here in verse 13. But in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in the flesh the dividing wall of hostility. How? Verse 15. By abolishing the law of, cover, of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create himself one new man in place of two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. This is the story of Jesus Christ. He comes and he dies. And he doesn't die to make us Jewish. He doesn't die so that I can become Jewish. What he does is in his death and his resurrection, through one Holy Spirit, is he brings those who have had faith in him from the past, and those who is calling now as us normal, I want to say normal people, that would make them abnormal, but us who have no exposure to Christ, to God, to holiness, he's saying, come, I'm inviting you into this, I'm inviting you into me. We, the, um, the church that I led in South Africa, there were strange things that started creeping in. All of a sudden, people started wanting to do law. Somehow, law making me more righteous. Say, so if I, and but Sabbath good, rest, yes. Okay. But let's not eat a bit of pork just because we can adhere to that. Let's, let's not, let's, let's do this. Let's do a little bit of the law. A little bit of the law means nothing. Jesus comes in his fullness, and he puts everything together in one spirit, the Holy Spirit, that we then get adopted in. 
the most terrifying thing happens. When the Jews have the opportunity to have an encounter with Jesus, they are so focused on their religion, they miss the Messiah. They're so focused on their little, their little commandments, their little ordinances. The, well, you've got to wash your hands before you eat. Good thing, not law. You've got to do this. You've got to perform. You've got to do your little performances so that you can be right with God. God is not interested in what you're doing. He's calling you to live in Christ Jesus. But what happened is the Jews missed Jesus because they wanted to have their religion. Their sense of national pride was robbing them from the fullness of Christ Jesus. We want to be able to take everything here and then separate it. Well, I want a bit of law, but I want the Abrahamic blessing. I want, what happens is, by the way, it's still empty. What happens is in Christ Jesus, it gets put together as one gospel so that in him, if you try and separate what he's put together, you start damaging the fullness of Jesus Christ. So you go, well, I want to have a little bit of law. No, wait, I want to. Maybe I want a little bit of national pride. Are we missing something of the fullness of what God has for us? Because I'm preoccupied with being red or blue. Are we missing something of what God has called us into? Because my focus on the political party has got my attention. And I'm so focused on that. I cannot vote in your country. If you can vote, vote. This is not a political preach. I'm saying whatever distracts you, whatever has you taking the fullness of the covenantal promise and has you distracted and has you arguing and has you, has you, it has you creating conflict with neighbors and friends because of anything. I'm talking about a preference with the way your food is cooked, with how much spice you have on your food. I'm talking about what sports team you support. I've been brainwashed. I have, my family's been brainwashed. Apparently, we have to support the Cardinals, and uh, I have to support Kansas City Chiefs. I've been told, and uh, <laughs> Green Bay, you say? Oh. All right. I'm just joking about that. But have we allowed something of our national pride to get in the way of the gospel? I've come from a country that's been totally divided by politics. I come from a country where politics has destroyed a nation, like every other nation. Let me explain to you the word. Poly means multiple. Polygamy having multiple wives. Poly, multiple. Tick is a word for parasites. So politics is a collection of parasites that we end up worshipping because we think that somehow the different party will suck less blood from us. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2, verse 2, For I choose to know nothing else but Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I choose to. It's not natural. I choose to. I choose to not have my, my, my racism get in my way. 
Oh, no, no, we're not racist. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Natural. We're racist. Oh, the room just got cold. That's the human nature. That's human nature. That's why the world is that way. Get over it. Get rid of the demon. Let's go for deliverance. (laughs) I wasn't going to touch on the sensitive stuff, but I'm talking about circumcision. Maybe this racism, maybe your preferences, maybe this needs to be cut out of your life. That's the great thing about a foreskin. It doesn't grow back. You've got to deal with things in Christ Jesus. Your little preferences, your little attitudes. I don't like that. I don't like the way. This is the way it should be done. We should grow up. Because the problem is Christians who... So as you grow older, if you always live on milk, it messes with your digestive tract. And it it makes you... uh, What is the one word that is the opposite of constipated? Fluid. <laughs> That's what happens when you've been saved for a long time, but you're not going on to meet. You're getting older as a Christian, but you're not maturing. You're more of the fluid type. Whereas in Christ Jesus, I choose to know nothing else but Him crucified, has me bring down the barriers and the walls of whatever my personal preferences may have been. So that I can speak about Jesus in His fullness. No, but brother, we must obey the Sabbath. Well, if God broke the Sabbath, so can I. Oh, bless me. Well, how do you figure out that he got the, the Israelites to march around Jericho for seven days, but somehow skipped a Sunday or a Sabbath? That's impressive. That's impressive. I'm not saying break the law. I'm saying stop having man-made structures dictate to you how you're going to serve Jesus. Our identity has to be, as we work through Ephesians, I choose to know nothing else but Jesus Christ and Him crucified. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 23, it says this, Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we're living with the faith. We're no longer under a guardian, for in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you were baptized in Christ, have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. That's not saying, oh, well, there's no more nationalities. Jew represents religion. Greek represents the wisdom of the world. There is neither slave nor free. Represents politics. There is no male or female. Represents man-made hierarchy under religious rule. There are religions in the world that has women's rated lower than dogs. For you're all one in Christ Jesus. And if you're Christ, then you're Abraham's offspring. We go back to the Abrahamic covenant. The beauty of the Abrahamic covenant is the promise of land and descendants and blessing. While we have our personal preferences override what God has called us to, we're never going to impact our city. We're not going to impact this nation. We're not going to impact the world. I don't like that race. I don't like that language. I don't like that area. I don't like that sports team. I don't care what you do and don't like. If I'm going to live a life where Paul says, for I choose to know nothing else but Jesus Christ and him crucified, we will start growing into people that others will be desperate to come hang out with. 
have you had your heart circumcised? When I got saved, I had to have my life, I had to have a whole lot of circumcision done because of the way I did things. We're not making this a political preach, and I'm not anti-politics at all. I believe we need to vote and we do all of that stuff. It cannot be emotionally provocative. My politics must not stir me emotionally. I need to vote based on my morals and my values, not on speeches or other people's opinions. I need to serve Jesus based on what he's done for me. I need to love others based on how he sees them. We make the statement, a whole lot of people are going to come in, a whole lot of people are going to get saved, and they're going to not look like us or speak like this. It's funny how God brought in church leaders that don't sound like you either. The word is extraordinary. I'll give you lessons, but you said it well. Yeah. People say to me, you have a strange accent. I go, you haven't heard yourselves. <laughs> We're going to have people brought in here. Yeah? And uh, as I look out, there's a pregnant lady sitting here, Rebecca, looking swell. And for me, I think it's such a beautiful prophetic picture of you sitting here pregnant, and it's all comfortable. It's a bit awkward. It's a bit uncomfortable, I can see. And, uh, but you, you're looking lovely. But there is a level of chaos coming. <laughs> That's great, and it's bearable. If it is impossible, we wouldn't have a population of whatever, 8 billion people. But church growth is so similar to this. There's this pregnancy that the church has. We're ready. We're going, it's going to be wonderful. It's going to be easy. I love listening to new moms and dads. They say, at least when the pregnancy is over, life will return to back to being normal. That was a word of encouragement from Dayspring Church for you. And no matter, it's regardless of how you perceive it's going to be, it's wild. I have an incredible little grandson, and my daughter and son-in-law are phenomenal parents. But Caitlin has looked at me, and I can see she hasn't slept for years. With this exhaustion that rests on her like a blanket, and she says, Why would you have more than one? And then people do. You guys do, many. But church is like this. It's pregnant. We're excited. Baby comes. People come. It's awkward and it's difficult and we don't know what we're doing. And this is advice for you as well. We all think we know what you're doing. We don't really. We've faked it. We've made it. Just trust Jesus. That's what church growth is like. We trust Jesus. When it gets weird and it gets awkward and people come in and people are praying over the microphone and they drop, they're dropping crazy cuss words and all the religious folk are going, oh, 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 and they don't know what to do. Jesus is smiling going, this is my latest edition. This is what's happening. This is life. We need to get over ourselves and have ourselves circumcised so that our flesh does not get in the way. Because once we get our flesh taken care of, we, we will look different. We'll respond differently. We will be different. And God is calling us to be different so that we're not going to just blend into the rest of the world. You can post on Facebook today, I got circumcised at church today. All right, I like that, David. We'll put a knife out.
It's just a test. <laughs> well, I'll put that away. What's happening in your heart? What's happening in your heart? Are there some parts of the gospel that you don't like, so you've taken it out? Are there some parts of the relationship that we have to have with, have with people that we've removed? I want to challenge you this morning. How is your heart? I'll challenge you this way. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that every person that needs to deal with something in their heart this morning, where things have to be undone, it's, it can be pseudo-religion that's holding them back from walking in full freedom. Lord, if, if it's political, Lord God, I pray that you circumcise our hearts this morning. Ask him, Lord God, if anything is in me that doesn't belong there, that's, and I'm trying to synthetically hide my guilt and shame. I ask, Lord God, that you operate, you do work in my heart. Friends, if you're sitting here this morning or you've joined us online and you're listening to this and you are sitting with unforgiveness and resentment towards others, you're trying to cover something in your life. Have God deal with that this morning. Cut that out. If you have sin in your life that you are entertaining and engaging with, cut that out. That is the beautiful thing about circumcision. It was never an adding on. Jesus plus nothing is everything. Jesus plus nothing is everything. You trying to behave better will not bring you closer to Jesus. A repentant, contrite heart will. Just while eyes are closed this morning, if you're sitting here this morning, and I'm speaking to moms this morning. Moms, if you are feeling inadequate and you've been labeled, the enemy's labeling you, you are not good enough, you're inadequate, you're failing, look at you. That's a lie. You're the fullness. You carry the fullness of Christ. You're loved and you're redeemed and you're favored. Cut that out. You cannot do it. You have to speak to God this morning and say, Lord, cut that off. Cut that off for me. If you've labeled yourself in any way, cut that off. Let the gospel cut through. He died for you. He gave his all for you. Let the gospel cut you this morning. You're sitting here this morning and you've never made a commitment and received the gift of salvation that Jesus paid for. It cost heaven everything. Jesus paid for your salvation. If you never received that gift by publicly acknowledging Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I want to present an opportunity this morning where you're going to put your hand up. I'm not going to embarrass you in any way, but you're going to put your hand up and then you're going to come stand in the front here with me. You're not going to face the congregation. You're going to look at me. But if this morning, if this morning's the day where you have to make a declaration saying, yes, I'm in. Lord, I'm yours. I've heard about this Jesus. They've spoken to me about this Jesus. And this morning, I publicly want to confess that he's Lord. Not so that I can behave better, but this thing needs to be dealt with. If that's you this morning, raise your hand. I want to see if there's someone here this morning. 
You might think it's difficult. I've got to put my hand up and go to the front. I promise you it'll be worth it. I don't see any hands up. If you slid your hand up, you need to put it up again and wave at me so that I can see if you, if you come into the front. I'm very comfortable, friends. If you're sitting here this morning, I'm fine. I know who my hope is in. I know I'm saved. If you're sitting here this morning and you're not, you don't get to be comfortable. And this morning, if, you've, if you have just backslidden, you had a relationship with Jesus and it's grown cold, just repent and you, you just speak to him this morning. Thank you, Lord God, for the surgery that you're doing in our lives. Thank you, don't leave us. You have never forsaken us. Can I ask you all to stand with me, please? We're going to be having communion together, breaking bread. We have tables at the back of the sanctuary and in the front here. If you can make your way. The only requirement for you to have communion is that you're a born-again child of God. So this morning, you don't have to be a member of Dayspring, but please Help yourself grab one of the little cups of juice, one of the wafers. This is a celebratory moment. As much as God's working in your heart and I've been challenging you, smile at people. The joy of the Lord is our strength. As you make your way back to your seats, if you can just find two or three people that you can make eye contact with and take communion with, just turn, turn to them. I'll wait for everybody to get back to their places. <laughs>